Hello everyone, I'm Dale Spaulding. It's so great to be with you today. Most of you know me as the Take 5 guy at the back of the auditorium after Sunday morning services, but if we haven't met before, come on back sometime to say hi. Let's pray before we begin today's devotional. Lord God, we thank you for who you are. You're so good, so kind, so gracious, so loving, and we thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to save us. We ask you to be with us today as we study your word. In the name of Jesus, amen. Grab your Bible and turn with me to James chapter 2. Before we read, let me give you a little background. The epistle of James was written by James, who was the brother of Jesus. It was written between A.D. 40 and 50. It was likely written in Jerusalem as James led the church there in Jerusalem. And as recorded in James chapter 1, verse 1, he's writing to the 12 tribes scattered amongst the nations. James is writing to the Hebrew Christians who were dealing with many challenges and needed encouragement to persevere in their faith. Our scripture reading for today is from James chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. Again, James 2, 14 through 17. And let's read this together. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead by itself. James was writing here to Christians from a Jewish background who discovered the joy of salvation through their faith in Christ. They were now experiencing freedom from their works-based righteousness of the past. But it appears that some of the Jewish Christians may have gone to the other extreme, thinking that their works really didn't matter at all. And James addressed this issue head-on in his writing when he said, In the same way, faith, if it doesn't have works is dead by itself. Today is Veterans Day, so I'd like to give a shout out of thanks to all my fellow veterans who are tuning in today. We've been acknowledging this special day now for over 80 years. Veterans Day had its beginnings with Armistice Day. The armistice that brought an end to World War I was signed in France at 11 a.m. on November 11, 1918, which was the 11th hour on the 11th day, on the 11th month. 20 years later, in 1938, Armistice Day became a holiday to honor those World War I veterans. Then in 1954, following World War II and the Korean War, the 83rd U.S. Congress changed Armistice Day to Veterans Day to now honor American veterans of all wars. And did you know that this year's Veterans Day, on Thursday, November 11, 2002, 21 is exactly two months to the day that we remember the 9-11 attack on America that occurred 20 years ago on September 11, 2001. When I think about the idea of faith without works is dead in today's scripture, I think about our nation's veterans. Did you know that the day after 9-11, young men and women flooded our military recruiting offices? had the biggest impact on military recruiting 
since the attack on Pearl Harbor in 1941. According to the USO, over 180,000 Americans voluntarily enlisted in the military after the attack on 9-11. Now, our country's young men and women could have had faith that America would be ultimately safe, but they also realized that faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. So these brave young Americans were compelled to do something. So off they went to boot camp and then on to serve in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Syria. But the military does so much more than just fight wars. When I read today's scripture, I'm actually reminded about a certain day at sea from my time in the United States Navy. In the spring of 1987, I was on board the guided missile cruiser USS Dale operating in the Mediterranean Sea. We spotted a yacht on the horizon in a state that we call dead in the water, meaning it had no propulsion. Its engines were dead. They had no power, no radar, no radio comms. They were just drifting at sea. My ship came alongside this yacht to find a husband, wife, and their young children. They looked pretty distraught. There was no telling how long they had been adrift in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Now, we could have said to them, hey, folks, we're a U.S. Navy warship on our way to the Middle East for some pretty pressing matters. So we hope you get underway soon. But in the meantime, go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed. Now, <laughs> we didn't do that. We lowered one of our small boats into the water, went alongside the yacht, loaded the family on board, and brought them back to our ship to safety. We gave them some warm blankets, had our Navy corpsman check them out, and got them something to eat. I'll never forget the look of desperation on that family's faces. We then rigged a towing line to their yacht and towed it back to the nearest port in Italy, returning this family to safety. We sort of sad to say goodbye to that family that day, but it turned out to be a really, really good day at sea. Now let's take a look back at our scripture for today's devotional. Some may say, hey, hey wait a minute, doesn't what James writes contradict what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2? James writes that faith without works is dead in James 2 verse 17. But then Paul writes the following in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not from works, so that no one can boast. So Paul says we're saved by grace through faith and not good works. But then listen to what Paul says in the very next verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. And that's in Ephesians 2, verse 10. So Paul understood the necessity of works to demonstrate that we have a living and active faith. Here's another way to view this. We can't actually see someone's faith, right? But we can see their works. So if we can't see their faith without works, you can demonstrate the reality of your faith by works. There's a phrase that emerged in the late 16th century that perfectly describes the connection here between faith and works. Some argue Martin Luther coined this phrase. Others said it was John Calvin. Here's what they said. 
We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. Let me say that again. We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. Don't you just love how simple yet powerful this little phrase is? Let me just say it one more time. We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is never alone. Can I share with you one more story? You know, as you get older, your collection of stories gets larger and larger. And I'm starting to get really old, so I have a lot of stories. This is the story of a distant cousin of mine named Albert Spaulding. Albert was regarded by some as the first American-born violinist to gain international recognition. In 2000, well, excuse me, in 1902, at age 14, Albert Spaulding, now check this out, he received the degree of professor of music from Bologna Conservatory in France, graduating with honors. Yeah, he was just 14 years old in 1902. Albert Spaulding's first American appearance as a soloist occurred in 1908 with the New York Symphony. He was introduced that day as the first great instrumentalist this country has produced. Albert's musical career was temporarily interrupted by World War I after he enlisted in the U.S. Army at age 26. Private Albert Spaulding was assigned to an early aviation unit in the American Expeditionary Force. He served in logistics and maintenance for U.S. combat aircraft in England and France during World War I. Then at age 54, Albert Spaulding's patriotism was once again brought to bear when he answered the call to now serve in World War II, but this time as a civilian. He was assigned to the Psychological Warfare Branch of the Office of War Information. This unit used radio and leaflet propaganda to undermine German soldiers' morale. Albert Spaulding was fluent in Italian and several other European languages, and his radio broadcast helped support the Italian resistance and aided in the eventual liberation of Italy. During Albert Spaulding's service in World War II, a fascinating story highlighting the power of music emerged. It was 1944, and as an Allied aerial bombardment of Naples, Italy was underway, Albert took cover in a cave shelter with hundreds of other frightened refugees that were near panic. Albert Spaulding had faith that they were going to be okay. But at the same time, the screams of the children, crying of mothers, was just heart-wrenching to him. And then there was that look of absolute hopelessness on the men's faces. Albert had to do something. He had to take action. And here's a first-hand account of how the story unfolded. Albert Spaulding borrowed a violin from a musician he observed in the crowd, and he began to play. As the first tones of Beethoven's concerto floated unaccompanied throughout the cave shelter, the cries and the moans instantly ceased. By the time the concerto was ended, peace, calm, and quiet had been brought, if only for a brief space to those wretched people. People present on that occasion have written and stated that they have never, they've never heard such a great performance, nor have they ever seen the power of music so convincingly illustrated.
Indeed, faith without works, faith without action is dead. Now let's shift to the solution side of the equation for a moment. When I read the Bible, I like to ask myself, now what? Do I have any actions to take as a result of what God's word says here? Do I need to make any changes in my life? The first action is always pray, pray, pray. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you changes you need to make. And then have the faith that when you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Here's some practical ideas to pray about. Ideas on how to put your faith to work. We're so blessed to have a ministry at New Life called Passion for Community. Our volunteers at Passion for Community live and breathe this scripture we study today. They serve under-resourced families in our local community with practical needs, such as beds and other furniture. We have an amazing crew of volunteers at Passion for Community, and they're always looking for more help. So I'd like to encourage you to check out passionforcommunity.org to learn more. Or come back and see me at Take 5 after church, and I'll introduce you to one of our Passion for Community volunteers. Here's another way to practically live out today's scripture, and that is how to put good works in action behind your faith. Simply ask people how you can pray for them. Your waiter or waitress at the restaurant is a great place to start. I've personally seen how fruitful these spiritual conversations can become. And if you do connect with your waitress who shares the challenges going on in her life, keep praying for her. And better yet, go back next week to that same restaurant and ask to be seated in her area so you could follow up. Maybe God will lead you to help out in a real and tangible way. You know, we live in a very affluent area here in Northern Virginia, but so many people are still struggling and hurting. I'd also like to encourage you to go back and watch some of the devotionals Brett has done over the past couple of months, giving us practical tools on how to share your faith. Devotionals like the bridge analogy and the three chair testimony are very practical and easy to learn. So as I wrap up this Veterans Day devotional, let me conclude by saying that we veterans really, really appreciate and value the verbal thanks we often receive for our military service on Veterans Day. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. But we also need to remember the sacrifices made by our military spouses. Long deployments are a time of deep loneliness for our military spouses. They carry the weight of the family on their shoulders during those demanding deployments. The bills still need to be paid. The sick kids need to be comforted. The grass needs to be cut. The toilet needs to be fixed. And the list goes on and on and on. And besides all of this, most military spouses need to work outside the home to make ends meet. So the next time you see a veteran and thank them for their service to our country, be sure to also thank that veteran spouse for their sacrifice as well. So thanks so much for tuning in to today's devotional. Let me pray for us. Father God, we thank you so much for being with us today. Lord, we ask that you help us 
to have our faith be strong and active and alive. Help us to be the salt and light you've called us to be in this world. We thank you so much uh, for being with us today. And we thank you so much for your word. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. May God bless you on your journey through life with him. Thanks.